SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Michael Jordan Denny Hamlin team is going to be racing in the same races as the Joe Gibbs team, hence Hamlin. How is that allowed? You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats on this Wednesday, September 23rd morning. Here's Julie Scott Wetzel sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls as we always do, 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Little emails, little tweets, little phone calls, <clears throat> and even some uh, YouTube chat as well as we take you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Well, the Nuggets drain the Lakers to get back in the series. Bad luck for the Irish. $2 billion don't go as far as they used to. Uh, add three more to the club. Eight is enough. Paper talk is cheap. NFL does it again. One less mountain to climb. Angels in a hell of a mess. Indians are in. Give that man book and uh, the Wetzel Black Cloud has since he's seen red. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets. It is a Bagels and Bad Beat on a Wednesday, September 23rd. Or, uh, yeah, 23rd. I keep on thinking it's the 22nd. Uh, the first day of fall yesterday. Second day of fall today. Thank you very much. Yep, we got a series in the NBA Western Conference, or at least we don't have a sweep. Let's put it that way. As Denver beats the uh, Lakers last night, 114-106. This was one of those games we said before the series that Denver was capable of winning because there was going to be at least one game where Jamal Murray was just going to put this club on its back and he was going to will that win. And that's exactly what he did last night. I'll tell you what, uh, just just a monster, monster performance out of him. We'll get to that. And the NFL did it again. I don't know how. Somehow, some way, the NFL is as clean as clean to be. We'll talk about it next. Baseball, three more teams make it overseas. The big ones about the I went to the morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Day, 
this third game, the intensity of the playoffs. You can see it in these guys right now. Murray trying to shake Caruso. Here's a three-pointer. Oh, it's good! Jamal Murray! This one, Reggie. This one was deep. Now, come here, come here, Cruz. <laughs> come here, baby. That was a big shot right there. Sure was. The energy at both ends were fantastic. Obviously, you know what Murray and Jokic did. How about Murray? Oh, oh just pours <laughs> it in. Oh, ho, ho. Jamal Murray with an exclamation point. TNT with the call last night <clears throat> as the Denver Nuggets do beat the L.A. Lakers thanks in large part to one Jamal Murray, 114-106. They cut the Lakers series lead to two games to one, so we have ourselves a little bit of a series, a little bit of drama anyway. I don't doubt for a second the Lakers are going to storm back and win games three and probably even game four, but that that was the game last night that you said before the start of the series that, you know, Murray could go off. You know, much like we kind of said about Harden and Westbrook, you know, there might be a game that the Rockets could beat the Lakers because either one of those two could go off for 40 points or so. And we said the same thing about, uh, you know, Lillard and, and Portland in, in series number one for the Lakers. You know, there might be one game where he's going to go off for like 40, 50 points and carry them to a win. That's what we got out of Murray last night. Although not so much points-wise, uh, a modest 28-12 assist. I mean, he played phenomenally, but he just put this team on his back in the final minutes of the game. Boy, if you didn't stay up last night to watch it, I fully understand because, you know, for the most part, it was a boring game. Lakers and LeBron and AD as well, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. It just looked like, you know, just from the outset, the Denver Nuggets were prepared. You know, a rare, 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 rare time where actually the Nuggets had the lead. They led by 10 at the half, 63-53, as compared to their previous six games where they trailed at the half by a combined 59 points. So they were generally trailing right around 10 points or so at the half. This was a 20-point swing as they were leading by 10. And again, the Lakers, you know, they just didn't play well. You know, for the third quarter as well, I could easily see where you just turn the TV set off and say, let me, let me go to bed. So it was 97-77 midway through the third quarter. When the Lakers decide that, you know what, uh, what the fudge, let, let, let's let's try and win this basketball game. They go on a 19-2 run. They cut the deficit to three uh, with just over two minutes left. And in the dagger of the game, it's 103-99, 220 left. And Jamal Murray with a step-back three-point jumper, which is almost like a, a combination turnaround step-back jumper from three. That pushed the Nuggets' lead up to 7, 107.99, and for all intents and purposes, that was it. You know, as soon as Denver pushed back just a little on that 19-2 uh, run, that's all it took for the Lakers to fold, and they did. He had a great assist on the next possession to make it 108.99, and then he hit another long three. Uh, I, I would say a good four feet beyond the three-point arc with AD covering him. Uh, to make it 111.99, and that was your ball game. And then Murray ends up with 28 points. They go on a 10-1 run. After it was 101.98, the Nuggets go on a 10-1 run. Uh, again, Murray with 28 to finish up. <clears throat> uh, Jeremy Grant at a 26 for, for the Denver Nuggets, and uh, they cut the series lead to two games to one. So, um, you know, good win. It was just Murray down the stretch. I tell you what, when you – um, you know, add or when you talk about young players in the NBA that are going to carry this uh, league for the next 10 years, you, obviously you're going to put his name into the equation. But, you know, you, the question is not whether he's on the list. It's where on the list. Is he one now? Is he two? Is he three? You know, would you rather have him than John Morant? Would you rather have him than Zion Williamson? Would you rather have him 
You know, I'm not going to put the Greek freak because he's been in the league a long time. But, you know, as guys that have been in the league one, two, three, four years, you know, he doesn't get a lot of publicity, but he's kind of, you know, coming into his own this year. So, you know, if, if the Nuggets could actually push this series to six, he would even get that much more publicity and, and kind of, you know, put that Denver Nuggets team, you know, into the American forefront's eye for next year. But he was great last night. I mean, those shots, some, these guys hit some crazy shots. They, they really do. I mean, they remind me of me back in my high school days. They really do. I mean, they just they, some of these guys just don't miss. I mean, the shots that Murray was hitting, those three-pointers late, just unbelievable. You know, uh, you got AD who goes, uh, you know, eight feet tall, you know, outstretched arms, and then Murray's hitting this 30-foot three-pointer, nothing but net. I mean, just nothing but net on the on the second shot. The first shot, you know, it's it's he does a turnaround step back jumper from three, not, not, not from 15 feet like you and I used to practice in our backyard. He's doing this from 25, 26 feet. I mean, it, and he's hitting nothing but net. I mean, it, it's just amazing. So he came through. That, that was the game. Now, can he do that for three more games? You know, can Jeremy Grant score 26 points for three more games? You know, probably not. You know, can, can Jokic, uh, he ended up last night. Um with how many points for, for Denver? Uh, he added uh, 22, you know, but a 9 of 14 shooting, which is very, very good. So the point total wasn't spectacular. Yes, he's more than capable of hitting 22 again, but is he capable of doing that on 9 of 14 shooting? Is Murray capable of hitting 28? Again, a modest total, not a monster 40, 50 or so, but is capable of doing that on a 10 of 17 shooting, including 4 of 8 from three-point land and taking over the game in the final couple of minutes? I don't know. You know, you'd like to see it. I'm holding out hope. Um, but, you know, uh, th this might have been their one-hit wonder for, for Denver. But at least they're not going to get swept. At least they're going to push the Lakers just a little bit. And uh, we'll see if L.A. I, I, I tell you, it's amazing how it's setting itself up to be, you know, repeating itself uh, over and over and over again. Denver falling behind three games to one to Utah, rallies and wins. Denver falling behind three games to one to the Clippers, you know, rallies to win. And now if you expect the Lakers to to come out just absolute storming as I do, chances are they're going to fall behind three games to one against L.A. as well. Now, hopefully they come back and win. But, uh, you know, more than anything else, you just don't want as an anti-Laker guy, even though I got a Lakers shirt on, um, I, I'm an old school Lakers. I'm a Magic Johnson and, and uh, James Worthy, uh, you know, Lakers appreciate that. Uh, not, not the current group. But, you know, you just don't want to have them sit around and relaxing and chilling out as the Heat and Celtics are beating the snot out of each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, when that series ends, the Eastern Conference Finals, then the Lakers, you know, get to ride in uh, on the Calvary with, uh, you know, all this rest and relaxation, taking out a wounded and banged up and uh, mentally beaten, whether it's Boston or, or Miami, because those, you know, we all know those games are going to be hard-fought games down the stretch. Chances are that's going to go at least six. So you just want the Lakers to have a little bit of a scare. So when they got that last night, good job by Denver not rolling over. And that really a lousy job by by the Nuggets, I, by the Lakers. I don't know how you just don't show up. I, I really, I get it. Denver's going to come out down two games to done storming as they did. Uh, but, you know, for LA really not to care for three quarters. And that's, that, you know, for a team that's led by the great LeBron James, you know, the, the the guy that's pissed off his words about not being MVP and he doesn't show up for three quarters. Uh, not much of an MVP in my world, I'll tell you that. Baseball last night, you had not one, not two, but three teams. No NHL, by the way. Stanley Cup Finals off uh, resumes tonight. You had three teams clinching playoff spots uh, last night. Uh, the Cubs, despite losing to Pittsburgh. Cleveland 
and the Dodgers who won the eighth straight National League West Division Championship. I mean, think about that. Uh, they are just the third team to win at least eight straight division titles. Now, we haven't had divisions, you know, for the longest, longest time. It was leagues, you know, way back when. Uh, they joined the uh, Stankies, who won nine straight from 98 to 2006. And then uh, the Braves won 14 straight from 91 to 2005. And as impressive as that eight straight is for the Dodgers, uh, they beat Oakland last night 7-2 to clinch it. I mean, think about that Atlanta Braves team. I mean, 14 straight divisions. I mean, we all remember the team. We're young enough or old enough. Uh, you know, it's not that that long ago. But, you know, whether it's Smoltz and Glavin and those guys, um, you know, think about that. 14 straight years, over a decade. That really is one of the more uh, impressive, I'll say, streaks for a team to be able to dominate a division. Even Tom Brady got hurt the one year and the Dolphins won the division, so they didn't get to 14. I mean, no injuries, no magical runs from some other team, whether it was the Mets or the Phillies or whatever the case. I mean, 14 straight. So the Dodgers get their modest eighth straight division championship. They clinch the best record in the National League as well, beating Oakland 7 and 2. Run down some of the baseball stuff last night. Bagels and Bad Beats on a uh, Wednesday morning with yours truly, Scott Webster. We'll open up the polls as well, 844 SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Playing some good baseball at the right time. Another one-two pitch. And that's it. The Dodgers are division champs for the eighth consecutive year. Even in a year where not much in the world seems normal. A dose of the familiar. Division champs again. The best in the West. Unchanged. Call Bagels and Bad Beats on a Wednesday morning, the 23rd of September. Yours truly sitting in. Taking you right up, uh, Scott Wetzel. Sitting in, taking you right up until uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 844-843-6879. Again, 844-843-6879. We'll get a poll question up there in a little bit. Uh, you want to send a tweet, it is at Opposite Picks. Email me, go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the uh, contact Scott icon and fire away. As the Dodgers do beat Oakland last night, 7-2. Again, they clinched the... Uh, Best record in the National League for what it's worth. Really not that much since they'll be playing in a bubble, but, you know, it is what it is. They do get home field, home court advantage, which does allow them to bat last, you know, for four of the seven, uh, perceivably anyway, World Series games. Uh, and they get their eighth straight National League West Division title. A little bit more of a fight this year than uh, what they expected, at least uh, from the Padres anyway. Third team, as I mentioned, to win eight straight division championships, uh, joining the Stanks and uh, Atlanta Braves, 14 straight, that remarkable run as we spoke about. Cleveland beat the White Sox last night 5-3. Uh, to three. Indians clinch a playoff spot. 
you know, this is what I say about the White Sox. You know, they're in a little bit of a funk now, but this is why do not put your American money on Chicago come playoff time, assuming they get in, which, you know, they figured to. Uh, And I think they've already clinched, actually. So they have. The White Sox are now. This has been my pet peeve with them. This is why we were on the over with them from the get-go because of their schedule. Uh, The White Sox are 10 and 14 against the best teams on their schedule. You know, the Twins, the Indians, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, 10 and 14. You know what they are against everybody else? And that would be the uh, Detroit Tigers, Pittsburgh Pirates, since they play the Central Division over in the National League, Kansas City Royals. Uh, I'm even going to throw Milwaukee in there because chances are they don't make the postseason. You know what they are against the dredges of uh, the Central Divisions? 24-7. and 24-7. and seven. You're talking about a first-place team that's clinched the playoff spot, 34-21 and 21 overall, and they are not only below 500, they are way below 500 as far as 10 and 14, four games under 500 against decent competition. Again, Minnesota, Cleveland, you know, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs. And they just, they feast on the Tigers and the Royals and the, the Pirates and, and uh, the Milwaukee Brewers to a lesser extent. I mean, that's, they are a joke. Do not take that team seriously come playoff time. Just don't do it. They are a product of their schedule. If they were in any other division, or at least if they were playing, you know, regular baseball this year, they would probably be a 500 team versus a team that's 13 games over 500. I mean, think about that. That's a 17-game swing from them being 13 games over 500 with their record overall uh, compared to their record against the uh, you know worst teams on their schedule. And then if you just want to go by best team versus worst team on their schedule, then they're 17 games over 500, four games under. That's a 21-game swing. So I hate to break it to White Sox fans, but when you get into the postseason, you're not going to see Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, on their schedule. You're going to see real teams, and that's why that team has a very, very, very good chance of getting knocked out, if not in the first round, then maybe in the second round. You know, maybe they're able to escape a best of, uh, you know, three scenario, but that team is not a playoff team. It just isn't. You know, game in, game out, they tell you that. Four games, 10 and 14. You think it's coincidence for 60 games? They seem to struggle. They seem to get into their slumps when they play these good teams. That's a joke. That really is a joke. Uh, Pittsburgh knocked off the Cubs last night 3-2. Despite that loss, uh, the Cubs, with all the other teams uh, playing last night, ended up clinching a playoff spot. So when's the last time Chicago fans think about this? Now, I lived in Chicago for seven years, and I was there when the White Sox won the World Series. So there, there may have been a year in there when it occurred. But when's the last time the Cubs and White Sox both made the playoffs? That's a good one. I'm guessing in that 2000, you know, in the Bartman years, was there a year where the White Sox kind of snuck in there when they were, you know, in the aftermath of their World Series? It probably, you know, it's, it's probably not that long ago, but overall, how many years in the last 100 have the White Sox, who have been generally awful, and the Cubs, who have been generally atrocious, made the postseason at the same time? I, I bet you could count on one hand. 
I, I literally, in the last five years, I bet you could count on one hand. I'll look it up during one of the breaks. I bet you can count on one hand how many times. Because the Cubs don't make the playoffs that often. You know, just, so just start with the Cubs, you know, and that's a rarity, even though, you know, within the last 10 years, they've been obviously pretty good. But before that, I mean, they were just brutal. So uh, both Chicago teams make the playoffs. And fitting, I suppose, I don't know, ironic, just goofy. You know, the one year that both the Chicago teams make the playoffs is the year that they're not going to have home, you know, uh, baseball in their ballparks because of the uh, the virus and playing in the bubble. Mets beat Tampa Bay last night 5-2, to two, so the Devil Dogs' magic number for clinching a playoff spot remains at 1. Mets keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Atlanta cruised by Miami 11-1, to one, so the Braves clinched their third straight NL East Division championship. Uh, that was a foregone conclusion for a while now. Uh, Milwaukee beat Cincinnati 3-2, to two, just their second loss for the Reds. You know, we played that. We gave them out as uh, our best bet last night, so I got to be fair. I'm going to you know, brag about our winners, and uh, I got to fess up about our losers. I figured having won eight of nine, playing great baseball, you know, we'll hop on them, and lo and behold, what happens? They lose. So Milwaukee, you know, with the uh, six, seven games left, depending on which team you root for, takes over the number eight, eight playoff spot in the uh, uh, in the uh, National League. You know, the playoffs are very difficult. You know, it's exactly like the NHL. I won't even say like. It is exactly like the NHL in that there's really two ways you can make the postseason. You can make the postseason by being in second place in your division, regardless of your record. So the first one and two spots in each division, the six teams overall, they make the playoffs. And then the next two teams with the best records get the number seven and the number eight spot. So in the case of Milwaukee and Cincinnati, um, you know, they're battling the Cardinals for the number two spot in the Central, and they're both a game behind. And then they're also battling each other for either the seventh or eighth spot uh, best record in the National League. So it, it is confusing. It, it really, it's dopey, but, you know, they wanted to add two more teams, and uh, it's just confusing. They should have just made one league. That That's all. They, they should have just said one league. Do the the five teams that are in your division. You know, you want to limit travel and everything. Okay, so uh, we're going to have a National League and a American League. They will play like back in the 50s. And we're going to have the Cardinals, though, play the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, the Pirates, and the NL Central. And they're going to play the AL Central teams. And But because of that, we're still going to have just one league. And it's going to be the top eight teams. Because that's, in essence, what it's going to be all about anyway. But it would be a lot more simplistic just to be able to figure out who's in and who's not in. Uh, with eight games left, it's very confusing. But that's why, because the top two teams get in. And if the team with the ninth best record happens to have a better record than a second place team, well, I don't think that's going to happen. But case in point, if it did, they wouldn't get in. Or if the uh, you know the eighth best team record wise happens to have a better record than the uh, second best team in the central division, which could occur. Well, the the second seeded team or second place team is actually seated higher than the eighth place team. So it, it's a little confusing. Just that's why I don't think anyone cares about baseball. You know, I, I like it. I follow it, uh, obviously. And uh, we talk a little bit about it here, especially when there's nothing else going on. But it, it's really been a forgotten sport. It, it really has. For as great as baseball is, uh, it's just so damn confusing. And who's playing? Who's not playing? Are games single games? Are they double header games? Are they nine innings? Are they seven innings? Uh, you know, it, it's this is kind of a lost year. You know, I, mean, I think baseball has a it has a more lost year than any other sport. I think hockey, you know, it's such a rigor in the postseason hockey. I don't think there's any qualms about who made the playoffs and who's winning a Stanley Cup championship. 
you know, to a lesser extent, the NBA. But ultimately, you know, you had the eight teams get in. They had the eight, you know, resumption games to kind of get their feet wet and get back into it. They just happened to be playing in a bubble without any fans there. But for the most part, those were going to be the teams, you know, that got in. So there's really no qualms there. It's baseball. It's the it's the longevity of a 162-game season that we're not getting. No fans, you know, goofy rules, you know, whether it's starting with a runner on second base, whether it's seven inning games, whether it's the National League having a DH this year, which I happen to like. Um, you know, th- there are more variables being thrown into the equation in baseball than in any other sport. And because of that, I think the, the baseball champion will be poo-pooed a lot more than the NBA champ and, and a heck of a lot more than the NHL champ. I, I think it's baseball. That's the one where people are going to be like, well, that wouldn't have happened. You know, the Padres, they're a nice little team, but they wouldn't have been this good for 162 games. You know, 60 games, yeah, okay. You know, the Mets might not get in, but you know what? Ultimately, I think eventually the Mets pitching staff would turn it around. The hitters would turn it around. I bet they would get in. You know, the Miami Marlins at 28-27 looks like they're going to get into the postseason. They're not. They wouldn't have gotten into a postseason with 162 games. You know, 60, yes, again, but not 162. I, I can hear people saying that, and there's some legitimacy to that. Absolutely. Uh, so it's the baseball champ that's going to get the most scrutiny. That's the one that's going to have that little asterisk next to its uh, title holder this year, more than any other. All right, 844-843-6879. More coming up. Bagels and bad beats on a Wednesday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Strike one to Alfaro, line drive, caught by Freddie Freeman. It's a three-peat for the Braves. They're the champions of the East in 2020. for the handshakes and look at that Braves dugout all the tipping of caps with the staff the coaches the medical staff unbelievable accomplishment for the 2020 Braves who will chop on into October and they will have home field advantage in the first round against an opponent yet to be named there's the banner it is three consecutive division titles for the Braves again and for that man Brian Snicker another remarkable feather in his Great managerial cap. I don't know if I'd say great. You know, a little bit of World Series before we get to, into great level, please. Rays Radio Network with a call last night. Again, they do win and they do clinch uh, the third straight National League Division Championship. So they head to the postseason again, as you heard, uh, against the team yet to be determined. So 844-843-6879. 
844-843-8687. Now, we got our poll question posted uh, with Jamal Murray going off last night. Our uh, poll question is, best young NBA player. Is it Murray? Is it John Morant? Is it Zion Williamson or the proverbial other? And if it's other, go ahead and name it. So go to oppositepicks.com or go to uh, at oppositepicks uh, and uh, get the vote in. And we'll update that a couple of times throughout the morning. Yesterday's uh, results, uh, Raiders winning on Monday night. Most surprising NFL 2-0 team. And uh, the Raiders, uh, maybe not surprising since they were winners last night, ended up uh, winning our little tally here at 35%. Arizona uh, getting 32% of the vote. Chicago Bears getting 24 And then the L.A. Rams uh, getting 8% of the vote. That was a pretty good one. So Raiders uh, nipping it. So go to your uh, Opposite Picks uh, Twitter page and get your vote in. And again, we'll update that a couple of times. I'm guessing it will be Zion just because he's a dookie-pukie. But maybe not. Maybe because it's Murray and uh, it's it's fresh on our minds from uh, from last night. Because he was terrific last night. All right, 844-843-6879. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Richie in West Virginia starts us off this morning. Rich, welcome to uh, Bagels and Bad Beats, uh, my friend. Okay, thank you too much. You know, something that I'm interested in and I haven't been able to ask is, uh, uh, what is Jason, why did the Giants hire Jason Garrett? Is he, the, is he a coach or is he the, uh, the main man there? Uh, that's a good question. I, listen, he's offensive coordinator, so uh, he'll more than likely, uh, uh, Rich, if you had a bet in Vegas or FanDuel, that he'll be the next Giants head coach. Uh, you could pencil in Jason Garrett as probably the, the most likely scenario. They interviewed him for the job. He used to be a coach there. The owners seem to love him for whatever reason. They, they've had this fascination with him over the years. Every single time that he was rumored to be out at Dallas, there was always the story the next day about how the Giants were interested in him and they were going to hire him just because, like I said, he had been a coach there before. And uh, so, so they, they just had this fascination with, with Jason Garrett. I, I don't know why, uh, but the Mara family uh, and the Tish family have loved him from afar. And, well, like I said, he was a coach there for a little while. Um, and they, like I said, they've had this fascination. And it seems surprising that they would bring in a guy that was a head coach as he was with Dallas and has been rumored to be among the head coaching candidates with the Giants. I don't know why you'd bring that guy in. Under normal circumstances, if he was just a Dallas Cowboys head coach, okay, you get it, you bring him in, and you want to help judge out a little bit. But, you know, I don't think bringing in a guy who was, you know, supposedly running neck and neck for the head coaching job and bringing him in now as an offensive coordinator is a good thing. There's got to be a little dissension, but... To make a long story short, they, they've just had this fascination with him over the years. Yeah, I just can't understand it because he was not that successful with the Dallas Cowboys. And they, well, there was talk for years that they wanted to get rid of him. Every year they wanted to get rid of him because he wasn't that successful. Then all of a sudden I turned TV on. I didn't know he was the offensive coordinator. I just saw him there. And I, I thought he was the head coach. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Why would you take somebody like that? and put him in, well, I guess if he's the offensive coordinator, maybe that might make a difference. I don't know. They still lost. So, And another thing that interests me is this fine that they put on the NFL uh, Seattle coach, you know, for not wearing a mask on the sidelines. I'll right. tell you what, that that's going to escalate a lot because uh, you do that in the NFL. I don't know if it's just, just the NFL that's uh, uh, focused on that. But I was watching uh, the coach for the 
the Clippers, uh, Doc Rivers, I saw him arguing with the uh, referees, no mask. Referees aren't wearing masks. There's a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people in a, a lot of different sports. I mean, I'm just thinking about basketball and uh, football. There's a lot of them that aren't wearing masks. So I think there might should be some kind of a protest there if uh, the head coaches, for these three head coaches, weren't wearing masks because there's a lot of other ones that aren't. And with this uh, virus being something that you have to wear a mask, I was surprised that a lot of the other ones weren't. And uh, it seems to me that they ought to be looking at them if they got to pick on the uh, – uh, the uh, players, the coaches for the uh, uh, NFL, they ought to look at somebody else too. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, good call, Rich. Uh, appreciate it as always, buddy. It's it's true, but I, I will tell you this: there's no way these guys are going to pay these fines. If if you think John Gruden, not that they can't afford it, you know, listen, ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. Although a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. Uh, you know, but $100,000 to John Gruden and Sean Payton is probably, you know, like $100 to you and I. Uh, you know, it's it's a something, you know, but it they're not paying. Uh, and if you think teams, the, in this case, the Raiders and Saints, if you don't know, John Gruden and uh, Saints head coach Sean Payton both got fined $100,000 by the league for not wearing masks on, on Monday night. Uh, and it was stupid for them not to in a lot of different ways. It just the arrogance of these two coaches just screams out when you really break it down. But let me get to my first point on this, and that is they're not going to pay, Rich. Most cases, when a player or a team gets fined, you'll hear about the fine, but then later on, you know, the NFL, in this case, or MLB or the NBA, they'll drop the fine. You know, it'll be a quiet little thing. All right, we made the public statement. The public thinks we're fining you. We're trying to present the right image. You have to wear a mask. But behind the scenes, all right, John, you know, don't worry about it. You know, just do us a favor and wear a freaking mask next time. The same thing, Sean. You know, you're on national TV. Can you wear a freaking mask? You know, so do not honestly expect Gruden uh, and Peyton and the Saints or the Raiders to be writing out these checks. I mean, Think about the Raiders and Saints also. Again, no, they can afford it. They got billionaire owners, but $250,000 for not wearing a mask, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's $350,000 each team, in essence, when you tack on the 100000 for the coaches. I mean, that's almost a million dollars they handed out in fine. Where does that money go? Now, they say it goes to charity. Let me see. Let me see where all that money goes because Seattle and Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers uh, and, and the uh, the Broncos and Vic Fangio all got fined same thing this past weekend for not wearing a mask. That's 350,000 times five. All right, that, that's almost $2 million in fines the NFL generated this weekend alone. Let me see where all that money goes. Let me, let me see the charity that is holding its hand out saying, thank you very much, thank you very much, I appreciate that. They They don't pay those fines. Or maybe they pay a portion of it, but there's just no way they're doing it. But, you know, in the case of Gruden and, and Peyton, you know, the other three guys, all right, you know what, and you, maybe you could throw Pete Carroll into the equation as well because um, he was playing Sunday night, which is a nationally televised game. But Denver and, and the 49ers were not. And in, in the case of Gruden and Sean Payton, it's a Monday night game. You know you're going to be on national TV. At least Peyton, I will say this, or at least Gruden, rather, had the uh, the mask there and then he just had it pulled down all the time every time they went to him it was pulled down 
Whereas Peyton didn't even have it at all. He, he didn't even have it around his neck. He made no qualms about it. He was not wearing a mask. I don't care what the NFL says. I don't care what they find me. I don't care if I'm on national TV or not. I'm not wearing a mask. And then the audacity of it all is to have that kind of arrogance when you know you're going to be watched by a, a gazillion people because it's nationally TV, Monday Night Football, and you're still going to say screw the rules. And both these guys actually had the coronavirus. Some people don't necessarily believe John Gruden actually had it, but you know ultimately he swears he did, so we'll take him for his word. So you have two head coaches that are on national TV, you know, so in a prominent position where people are going to be watching them, and they still skirt the rules, and they actually had the virus themselves, so they got to believe they can't be like you and I, where we're sitting back saying, eh, it's it's not real, it's not dangerous. Eh, you know, these guys should know they had the virus, and they still don't give a rat's behind about wearing a mask. I mean, you talk about just being arrogant SOBs. Holy fudge. You know, put a stinking mask on. You had the virus. You know you can get it. Uh, if you think you're not susceptible because you had it before, uh, you know, you're, you're kidding yourself. So Peyton had it over the summer. Same thing with Gruden during spring training or uh, early summer training camp anyway. So, but ultimately they're not paying it. And, and again, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine, but I'm going to continue to bring it up. As long as the NFL continues to say it's clean, league announced yesterday there were 14,074 tests. I don't know how they divided it up to get 14,074, but 14,074 tests administered to 2,438 players last week from September 13th through the 19th. Also, there were an additional 22,590 tests administered to 5,407 other personnel team members. Guess how many positive tests they had? Again, 2,438 players, 5,407 personnel. You add it up. You know, that, that's right around 7,900, almost 8,000, we'll just say. 8,000, you know, people were tested last week. Guess how many positive tests? Now, and again, this is not people living in a bubble. This is not people, you know, living uh, at the, the facilities. These are people that are driving to work. These are people that are driving to the gas stations, handling the pumps. These are people going to the post offices. These are people going to the banks, punching into codes, touching everything. These are people going to the supermarkets, grabbing the handles on the carts. These are people that are living throughout the country, not just one state, not one area. So you can't even say, well, they happen to be living in a good area. These are people that are spread throughout the country doing different things. These are men. These are women. These are old people. These are young people. These are white people. These are black people. These are other minorities. This, this is a widespread, nearly eight thousand people tested over 20 check that over 36,000 tests were administered by the NFL last week over 36,000 guess how many positive tests they came up with I'll spare you the litany of starting in the thousands I'll spare you the litany of starting in the hundreds I'll spare you the litany of starting Zero even in the teens point zero pretty damn close five five out of thirty-six thousand tests to nearly eight thousand people somehow or another the nfl only had five positive tests last week 
We got teams being shut down, sports not being played, games not being played because of the virus, and yet somehow or another the NFL is able to stay. I don't get it. I I Eagles a bad beat. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. not that bad but uh notre dame's wake forest football game postponed irish announced yesterday 13 players are in isolation they said seven players tested positive for the coronavirus out of 94 tests done uh yesterday or monday actually uh combine that with some test results from last week where they had 13 players in isolation uh with 10 in quarantine so they don't have enough players the bottom line and they won't be able to play, uh, you know, a pretty uh, soft Wake Forest team, which should have been a win for Notre Dame, you know, even if they would have played their second stringers. So, unfortunately, they can't play. Both teams do have an open date October 3rd, so hopefully they'll be able to uh, get that rescheduled. But, I mean, think about that. Again, you know, going back to what I said before the break, explain to me. I, I, I just, you know, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, as the saying goes, I guess. How does the NFL test over or nearly 8,000 people, over 36,000 tests over the course of the week, come up with five, five positive tests, and yet Notre Dame can test 94 different people, I'm assuming, or at least 94 tests over, what, 75 people, and come up with, uh, you know, seven positives. So in 94 tests, Notre Dame came up with more positives than the NFL did in 36,000. <laughs> I mean, it just, again, if you're Notre Dame, you should be calling up the NFL saying, what are we doing wrong, NFL? What are we doing wrong, Raj? Help us out here. How do you, how do you test 36,000 tests and come up with five positives? We're testing less than 100, and we're coming up with seven. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't buy it. I, I just don't buy it. Bagels and bad beats, one hour to books, another full one to go. Stay there. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 